Rachel here, and you're listening to Checking Off Your List with Rachel Luther. We're going to hear stories of success and failure as people share how they've exponentially grown their business through building a team. My goal? Help you achieve success you've only dreamed about through the power of outsourcing. I am very excited to talk with Matt Ward today. We know each other through the National Speakers Association. He has won many awards, a 40 Under 40 Award, Chamber Small Business Owner of the Year. He's at a top web firm seven years in a row. So <laughs> there are a lot of qualifications and awards under his belt. He is also a Better Business Bureau Torch Award finalist. And so thank you so much, Matt, for joining me today on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Rachel. I greatly appreciate it. It's going to be a fun one. Yes, yes. So we have a lot to talk about. You are very passionate about some of the same things that I get passionate about, which is exciting. Love talking to people who share those same philosophies about life. And uh, you also have a book that I want to Mm -hmm. talk about as well. So lots of things today. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about was you just sharing your knowledge and encouraging other people and small business owners to allow them to grow through new growth strategies and sharing some struggles and successes as you help people work through that. I started this podcast for that exact same type of a reason, sharing my struggles and my achievements in order to encourage other people and help them grow. So tell me a little bit about your journey. Tell me how you have grown and scaled some things, some of your business background. Sure. So Wow, that's you know, there's there's so much there to unlock, right? I I yes. grew up poor and I went to a private tuition free boarding school in Hershey, Pennsylvania, which most people have no idea even exists. It was founded by the guy that created the chocolate bar, and oh, so when okay. you buy Hershey's chocolate, you support disadvantaged kids. And I'm that's the awesome. youngest of three boys, the first to graduate high school, and the only one not to go to prison. So that school changed my life, wow. and it set me on a trajectory that I never really thought I'd be on. And that is, as I became older in my late 20s and early 30s, I started looking back at the similarities that I had with Milton Hershey, the chocolate magnet himself. And I realized that because he couldn't have kids, that he founded this school, he gave back. It was about it was about giving back and donating time and resources and energy. And so I started to do a lot of that. And at the time, I owned a web design company, hence the top web firm, seven years in a row. And yes, I yes. grew that web design company over the course of 16 years. And interestingly enough, in 2018, I sold it to a guy I met in a networking group and I sold it to him for over a million dollars. Awesome. So I am all about relationships, right? Um, And and teach. Now what I do is I teach people how to build better businesses by building better relationships. And I teach people how to care, care about other people, right? But you can't care about other people, Rachel, if you're in the weeds. Yeah, for sure. So would you say that the relationships were what helped you grow that firm to be able to sell yeah. it for a million dollars? Oh, for, for, for sure. So here's the real breakdown of that story, right? I didn't meet the guy in a networking group and the next day selling my company. I met him in a networking group in December of 2004. In 2007, mm-hmm. I hired him as my GM to run my company. And in 2018, okay. I sold him my company. So there was a relationship there over time, trust built over time, right? Mm-hmm. In addition to that, what most people don't know is I didn't just get a check for a million dollars. That's not how selling a business works, right? And so um, because he had trust with me, I sold him the business and financed it back to him. 
So because otherwise there are a lot of people out there that can't buy a business unless you make an arrangement like that. And you're not going to sell your business unless you make an arrangement. You're not going to get top dollar for your business unless you, you, you make arrangements like that. And so that relationship is still strong today. In fact, we were just talking yesterday and it's been, you know, three and a half years since I sold the business. And so relationships are, as I like to write in my first book, when I signed my book, I say relationships are the currency of life. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Now tell me about the relationships, the ones that you focus on. I often talk about like my team and Mm -hmm. that refers to a lot of different people who are Mm -hmm. in my life and that I have relationships with. So talk to me a little bit about like the relationships that you developed as you were growing that business and the relationships that supported you and that that environment that you created. Yeah, so so what I what I learned early on was that relationships with clients are important, but they aren't the number one thing. Because clients, depending on the service that you're in, they're not going to be repeat buyers in many cases. Um, okay, I was in yeah. the web design business and they would buy a website for say $10,000 and then they might pay for hosting and maintenance, but they're not buying another $10,000 website for five or six or seven years. If you're in a realtor, right. the average person owns a home for seven years. And so we've been ingrained since our early childhood days, um, to, to, you know, go to college, get the house with the white picket fence and, assume that clients send us business, send us referrals. And that's not true, right? And Mm so most Mm -hmm. referrals come from centers of influence. So all I talk about now is I'm a referral expert. All I I talk about Mm -hmm. is how to get more referrals in a service-based business. And most people assume it comes from the clients and it doesn't. It comes from the partners, the referral sources. And those are the people who are in a position to refer and often haven't even mm-hmm. used your service, right? And so the relationships yeah. with those people are the ones that I switched. When I had the web design company, I went from being client focused on the relationships to partner focused on the relationships. I was going to say, you're talking about strategic partnerships yeah. or strategic alliances yes. and you know referral programs, those types of things, which as someone who's in a service industry, we do have like ongoing support. Like we are a repeat Mm -hmm. buyer type of a service, a little bit different than, you know, design a website Mm -hmm. and then we won't see you for five years. Mm -hmm. But yes, I think those are very important. And I think a lot of people don't know how to find those or don't know how to establish those or don't know how to maintain those relationships. Mm -hmm. And I know personally, I have set up strategic partnerships and then later gone, hmm, what happened there? Like that kind of dried up. And I think I didn't facilitate that relationship yes. as effectively as I could. And so that's something that like right on with stuff that I'm thinking about right now, where you have to push in, lean into relationships yeah. and facilitate those. So tell me a little bit more about we that. We can't always sit back and catch the business, right? We have to generate the oh, business. Sure. And we generate the business by reaching out. So with quarterly, um, with partners, you reach out quarterly, roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different mm-hmm. for every strategic partnership you have. Um, but you have to be the instigator in the relationship. You, because you want the relationship. They didn't come to you in many cases, and even if they did, if you're benefiting from that relationship on the referral side, you just need to stay in touch. You need to build a relationship. Now, yeah, going back to the client thing, real quick. In my first book, uh, which is more word of mouth referrals, lifelong customers, and raving fans, that came out in 2018. I talk about those four pillars that it takes to actually get referrals. 
And mm -hmm. the first one is over delivery, which directly applies to your clients, right? So it's about yeah. understanding the expectations of your clients. It's not about under promising and over delivering. It's about understanding what the expectations are, and make sure you exceed them. And so in your case, it might be exceeding the, uh, the expectation on the turnaround time or exceeding it mm -hmm. on the communication or exceeding it yes. on the billing process or something like that. And, mm -hmm. and, and the other three components are not just client focused. They're partner for, they're, they're what I refer to as contact focus. So they are listening, surprise and non-self-serving acts. So when you do those things combined, um, you know, two, three pillars at a time with, with a contact, you're going to get more referrals. And so what I was known for was just reaching out, just building a system and a process inside my business that allowed me to reach out and just say, Hey, just checking in. How are you? How's business? And it wasn't focused on me. It wasn't focused on them buying something or referring something, but inevitably mm -hmm. what happens is people get so busy that then they re oh, respond yeah. to that. And they're like, Oh, that's right. Hey, listen, I have this referral or Hey, I need this. And I see it happen with my clients all the time. And I get that completely. Yeah. It yeah. It just comes down to figuring out. So I talk about it in the sense of uh, touch points and trigger points, right? So triggers are the things that trigger a second action. So it might be mm -hmm. you met someone in, in on a Zoom call and then they sent you a LinkedIn connection. That's a trigger. What does it trigger? What's the touch point it triggers? It might trigger an acceptance of the LinkedIn, a message on LinkedIn, and then a handwritten card. Whatever mm -hmm. okay. you're comfortable with. And so it's, and then those become, the handwritten card becomes a touch point then, right? And so if we have more touch points in our business, we get more referrals and we build better relationships. And the whole component around this is, can we care about other people? Can we surround ourselves? Yeah with people that, that make us happy and bring us joy. That's what I wrote about in my second book, which is how do we surround ourselves with people that bring us joy? You know, That is exactly what I was going to say. I know something that I have heard you talk about and that we've talked about is doing business with people who bring you joy. And yeah. that's very different than just taking any customer who walks in your door or very different than just networking with anyone who will give you attention, which can be a way that businesses start out. Any client, any business, I need that which is valid. I think we've all been there mm -hmm. <laughs> and we have to learn through that, or at least I did. I guess I can't mm -hmm. speak for you or everybody else, but I know I had to figure out what my ideal client was. And I mm -hmm. think at the same time, figuring out what those ideal strategic partnerships are. And so how do you do that? How do you recommend doing business, whether it's on a client or a strategic partnership side with people who truly bring you joy? So there's a lot of components to that, and I think you touched on a number of them. The first of which is I wrote this book because I believe that people leave the corporate world and start their own business because they want three things, more money, more time, and more freedom. And that the first five years, they're not getting those three things at all, right? Because we're struggling. We, we need to pay the bills. And so early on, it's very difficult to choose joy over money. It's very yeah. difficult. But That's I interviewed hard, yes. 50 small business owners about the process of the clients they took on, the ideal clients that they actually took on. And I have in the book an ideal client matrix, which kind of pinpoints, allows you to pinpoint where your clients fall on this mm -hmm. matrix. The, at the end of the day, you have to get to the second stage of what I created in um, the ideal client hierarchy of needs, which is a version of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? 
which is the second stage is security. And you have to get to a predictable amount of recurring revenue every month before you can push away a client. Now, once you can push away a client, you can choose joy, your definition of joy, any day, any time. And it's about building up that, not so much building the gut muscle, but listening to your gut more about the red flags you see in people and why you know that they're not ideal clients. And so those are the people that suck the joy out of our lives, right? And so now I'm at the point in my life where I live my life by the definition of freedom, doing what I want, when I want, where I want, and how I want. And I am not interested in the money associated with any of that. I think a lot of business owners start a business for that reason. They want freedom. And it could mm-hmm. be freedom of time. It could be freedom of uncapped income potential. It could be freedom from a bad job or from a desk. Like So many things. But freedom is often what drives business owners to start their business. And then I felt like for me and a lot of our clients, all of a sudden the thing they went to for freedom took over their life because it controlled them when the business controls them versus them controlling the business it's a big difference yes for sure and so how i found to overcome that through desperation and necessity really (laughs) was was outsourcing was surrounding myself with a team of people who could support me and do the things that i didn't want to do and as a result then I could focus on what gave the greatest impact, which obviously telling you things that you already know. So what I would love to know is tell me about your book, The High Five Effect. We talked about that briefly before. I would love to know because there's a chapter in there that I'm particularly fond of, which is about outsourcing. And so tell me a little bit about that and how you grew your business through outsourcing or how you have improved your life and your quality of life. Cause I know you have, we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. How have you done that through a support system that mm-hmm. works for you? So it's my journey with outsourcing started when I read the e-myth by Michael Gerber, which really talked about focusing on the business, not in the business. And then I started realizing, wow, I Absolutely. need more people to help me. So do I hire people? I did hire some and then I outsource some. And to me, hiring mm-hmm. people is outsourcing to a degree. It's outsourcing the workload that I had. Um, 100%. Outsourcing but, uh, to me is not always a virtual assistant. Like that is the traditional cause and effect that people have in their brain. That is not it. That is one piece of the pie. And the virtual assistant had a rise to fame because of the four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss that came out. And yeah, yeah. I get it, but that's not always the traditional. I mean, so right now, I Mm -hmm. automate my life. And so every week I'm looking to automate something else. And to me, that is freeing up more time, which gives me the freedom and makes me, puts me in a more joyful place. And so absolutely, I look for repetitive tasks that I do on a regular basis and see, Mm -hmm. is there someone I can get to do this for me? Yes. That is a great place to focus and start when you're outsourcing. Yeah. And so then I just kind of start going through a series of, of, of people or looking for the right person or whatever that might be. And, you know, I have a, I have an active YouTube channel and for, mm-hmm. I think I had it for two years before I hired a YouTube optimization person that just now helps sure. me with like keywords and things like that. And I, I don't pay much for that person, but it's also something I wasn't doing before that I wanted to do. It was on my, it was on my to-do list to actually start to do that type of stuff. And I didn't want to learn it. Um, My email marketing is outsourced. And so the more I started outsourcing these things, the happier I got. 
And the more I could bring to the table for my clients. Yeah. I think you said something important where you said, I didn't want to learn that. And I think so many times business owners, they think, well, I can do it. I can, I just need to sit down and learn it. And I see it online all the time. Is there someone who can teach me how to do Facebook ads? Is there someone who can teach me how to edit my podcast? And if you have time, if you have the luxury of time, that's valid. If you have the interest and the passion for that, that's valid. But so many times I feel like it's counterproductive to teach yourself something rather than outsource or find someone who is already an expert in that. It just speeds you up and your growth is exponential by not taking the time and burden on yourself and taking up your brain power with something that you're not as interested in. And I think this is the key, right, is is in the book, in the very first chapter, I start talking about defining joy for yourself. And so your joy is going to be different than my joy, right? For me, 100%, yes, it will it's be. that free time to do what I want. So I love to, to ride ATVs all over the country, side by side, doom buggy type machines all over the country. That's my passion. Okay. I have a boat membership with the Freedom Boat Club. I like to go out on the boat. I like to relax in the pool and in the hot tub. And I can't do those things if I'm actually behind the screen. Also, too, I realized yeah. early on, right? I became a professional speaker because I wanted to be a road warrior and travel and stand on stages. And then this thing called a pandemic hit. And I didn't do any of that after 2019, right? Twenty. So yeah. March 7th of 2020 was my last in-person professional speaking gig. And so I had to, uh, as the big word in 2020 was, I had to pivot in a way and I did just fine with that. But what I found myself doing a lot more of Rachel was staring at a screen. And I had that in the web design world to some extent. I moved from behind the screen to going to in-person networking events and chamber events and networking with people because I didn't like being behind the screen. Then I sold the company Mm -hmm. because I wanted to be on the road and the pandemic changed that. And so I had to find something for me that was going to work. And so for me, I would rather do those things and pay money to other people to do the other things that I would otherwise have to do if I wasn't doing the boating or the ATV. Yes. People often ask me like, what do I outsource and how do I know what to do? And that's always what I talk about. Well, it depends on who you are and your business and what you're passionate about and what you do, because it looks different for everybody. And so like, Riding ATVs will never be something that I want to go do. <laughs> and that's not my inclination. Yeah. It's not my desire. I'm not that person. So my life looks different. But I, in the same way, pursue freedom and what I love to do and what I enjoy, which is different, but the whole root philosophy is the same. So there's so much to learn from what you're saying and from your books. And it's also about looking introspectively at yourself and taking a moment, just sitting still and saying, you know, what do I want, right? If you can start to pinpoint what you want in five years from now for yourself, not, yes, your business, we always do that for the business, but what about ourselves? Pinpoint what you want to do in five years. What do you want your day or week or month to look like? Where do you want to live? What's that house look like? You know, do you want to travel? If so, how much and where? And once you start to, to see what that is, that vision board in your mind, you will start to realize rather quickly that you cannot get there with what you're doing today because you're doing too much. You're doing the social media management. You're doing the email management. You're doing the client management. You're doing the production work. You're doing the sales. You're doing the accounting. Why? Like, and I get it. If you love it, you love it. It is what it is. And that's a choice. So this whole idea of freedom and, and joy is about one thing, Rachel. It's about 
the right that you have as an independent business owner to choose. Now, if you want to work 60 hours a week, I'm okay with that as long as you chose to do that and it didn't dictate it to you. Yes, that is very, very important. And that looks different for everybody. One of the things Mm -hmm. that I do choose is to work. Now, I certainly don't work a 60-hour work week because that's not what I want to choose, but I definitely choose work. And that is what a lot of business owners do. But there's that balance and choosing the other things, which makes you more productive at work because you do need some of that variety and some of that change of pace and things like that. And one of the things as far as figuring out what you're passionate about and being able to focus on those things and having that freedom is figuring out how to get there. Because you're right, you're doing all these things. And by doing that, it gets you so far. You have built your business to this level, your skill set, your tactics and strategies got you here. But if you want to keep going further, if you want that next sales goal level, or if you want that next house, if you want that whatever, you're going to have to do something different because the same thing will get the same results. (laughs) And so what does that look like? And I think one of the things that I have been able to implement and that has been very critical in that for me is knowing what my weaknesses and what my strengths are in my business, as an individual, and it really in a variety of ways in my life, but a lot of what we talk about is business on here and a lot of what, you know, we're going back and forth about. So tell me about how you pinpoint like weaknesses in your Mm -hmm. business for yourself that, you know, I need someone else to do this as well as like, how do you see the strengths? How do you recognize, oh, this is what I need to lean into to best optimize my my business and what I'm trying to accomplish. 100%. So the first thing I know is that I cannot complete any task. I okay. figured that out a long time ago. I am a great idea guy. Ooh. I will give, literally give you a thousand ideas and I can get them started. I can get them moving in the right direction, but I cannot get them to the finish line. And I, I, I think it's just, it's ADD. I have no idea what it is, but I realized that probably 10 years ago. And then I said, you know what, when I have a new idea that I really want to run with, I'm going to stand it up, I'm going to get some structure around it, and I'm going to put some people in place to take it to the finish line. And funny enough, in 2019 and into 2020, in 11 months, I built a company, put a team in place along with processes and sold it 11 months later, right? It was a lead generation service actually for professional speakers. And funny enough, as I saw a vacuum in the marketplace, because I was looking for that. And so I just Mm -hmm. put a team in place to do it for me. And then I was like, well, what am I going to do with all these extra leads? (laughs) And then I I created a business out of it, right? And then I sold it 11 months later. Now, I wouldn't have gotten to that 11 month mark if I didn't, the entire, by the way, the entire team was outsourced, right? I had researchers, I had a manager, I had developers, all outsourced. And so, it would not have gotten there if I didn't have that manager who was managing the people and all that. And I just know certain things that, so with my virtual assistant, I know very clearly there are certain things I'm horrible at. Um, and so this is the thing. Don't we all that have those things. <laughs> people need to realize this, Rachel. And, and I'll never forget my GM telling me this. He was talking about salespeople. He was like, hey, we need to get some salespeople to do cold calls. And I'm like, I, I, I don't think cold calls work, Mark. And he's like, that's okay. I didn't say you had to do them. We just got to yeah. get somebody else to do them. So what that made me realize was, um, interestingly enough, is that just because I'm not good at it doesn't mean it doesn't need to get done, right? And so there are oh, certain sure. tasks um, 
for so for instance podcast marketing when it, when you know when this episode airs we're going to we're going to get it out there and while it's great that I could do that I I want my team to do that because I know it will yes. actually get done Rachel and that's the thing because I'd rather I'd rather be riding a side by side ATV in the woods or on a boat and I can't do those things from those at the same time I'm doing the, the, the fun stuff. Right. And so I put the people yes. in place and say, okay, here's the episode. Here's our system. Here's our process. Let's go. And then we modify the process as we go. So I have a, I have a, a strong policy in outsourcing, which is trust, but verify. You have to trust people to that do the work. That is a saying we have here at check off your list oh, as well. Go. Yeah. We say that all the time. Yes. <laughs> so I, I just think that, so for me, identifying the weaknesses is is really like, what piece of paper has a to-do item on my desk that's been there more than three days? I'm not going to do yeah. it. If it's been there three days, Rachel, I'm not doing it. So I just need to give it to somebody. That's clearly a weakness. So I call it the hang around. If it's hanging around, it's got to go. <laughs> I love how specific that is because success comes in specificity. And really knowing what you want. And I think that right there, so many times people are vague. I know I need to do this. Or, yeah, I need to get to that. And if you put finite things on it, like if this is on my to-do list for three days, then it gives you a benchmark to know uh, I need to take action in a different way. And I've not actually put it that specific for me, but I think I need to do that. (laughs) I think I need to... To pinpoint a, this has been sitting around for too long, which I do, but it's, I've never put it so specifically. And perfect example, I have been ramping up for this season of the podcast and scheduling interviews and things like that, which involves asking people to be a guest on the podcast, getting out in the network and saying, hey, who has a story that they want to tell who can benefit the people who listen to this podcast? which has been super fun and exciting, but the logistics of getting all of that started is not my cup of tea. The details of just clicking through and finding the right place and doing it in the right way that makes sense for everybody so we create win-win situations, because that's ultimately what we're here for, is letting everybody win and encouraging everybody. So that has become a, a recent reminder of that same type of thing. Like I have let that sit a little bit on my to-do list and keep, oh, I'll get to that, I'll get to that. Which is exactly what I tell people to not do. <laughs> but have you found that as your business has grown, how has it, like outsourcing changed for you? Or has it, like, is it still the same philosophy as before, just doing more of it? Or have you found different strategies or different things as you have progressed as a professional and progressed? Because so many times I feel like I revert back to the same concept. It's just in different ways, which is kind of nice because I know I like that's familiar to me. But I think also there's a growing involved with it. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. I think the growth for me is in how how I'm hiring the person. As as uh, friends of mine have said, uh, hire slow and fire fast. So yes, if so, I had I had uh, outsourced a task to one person and had gone through the interview process just as I normally would. The details were there. Then the work was done. The request was to put 50 business-oriented questions into a Google Doc, and they put them in a Google form. And that's Mm, a clear misunderstanding between the tools. 
And I immediately said, if if this exists, then we're going to have a bigger problem down the road long term because there's going to be a communication barrier here or at least a comprehension barrier between what I'm asking for. That is not something I can even remotely train on. So I cut ties immediately. And then funny mm-hmm. enough, re reposted the project, hired someone to do it. She over-delivered. Um, she over-communicated. She did it incredibly fast. And she became my full-time virtual assistant because of it. That's great. So that so what happens, it, we grew into that, obviously. But, um, but I... I realize now, so there are smaller projects that I will outsource as one time or even ongoing, like my YouTube thing, I I do as an ongoing thing. Um, My email marketing thing, I do it as an ongoing thing. Um, And, and when, so what I do from an outsourcing standpoint now is, is if the team is doing, is doing good and everything is smooth sailing, there's, there's very small hiccups. um, Then I'm just looking for opportunities to outsource the next thing. And yes. and it's not necessarily take on something new that becomes outsourced, but more so outsource what what something we're currently doing, or we had on the roadmap to do, and so it's the next project on the to do list, so to speak. Um, and what I didn't do early on was I hung on to people too long, and yes, because I thought I could train them up. And I just realized that there's an awful lot of of um, great people out there that that will get what I'm talking about. They'll get because I'm a I'm the business owner, Rachel. I don't. I'm sure you've dealt with this. I'm the business owner that knows what he wants, but doesn't necessarily know how to communicate what he wants. Right. I can relate to that. Yes, I can and, definitely relate to that. Well, so many people ask me those same types of things. It's like, how do you know who to outsource to, or well, how do you decide what's going to be a good fit and what's not? And I agree, slow to hire, quick to fire type of a concept. So as you're looking, what are those trainable things mm-hmm. versus those, oh, I can't train on that? Because I have a like some thoughts on that and I've shared that, mm-hmm. but I would love your insight because I'm sure you can bring a different take on it and provide some insight that I haven't had. What do you look for? I think we could always train on it. Because I think we can all grow in some form or fashion, so we could always train out the question is do we are we willing to invest the time, and is that my job and so because if mm-hmm. I'm training the person on it on how to think like me and stuff, that's going to take a lot longer. Um, what I'd like to do is just post a job for a mind reader. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not going if to only. get that <laughs> if only um, so here's what I do. The first thing I do is 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 I look for can you follow instructions? It's that simple. Yeah. And so usually when I uh, post something or I reach out to someone, I'll say, you know, here's the thing. You know, if it's a job, for instance, on one of the outsourcing boards or something, I'll post, I'll post a code word in the middle of it. And if the code word is not used to apply for the job there, I don't care how great their resume looks, they're immediately disqualified. They did not read. They didn't notice the, a simple little thing. They didn't read it and they didn't yeah, follow the lack instructions. Lack of attention to detail. And so I learned that many years ago from a podcast I was listening to. And I said, you know, that's genius. I'll just put like the word banana in the middle. I'll just say, start your, start off your application with the word banana. And I I learned Mm -hmm. not to do the code word as the first sentence or the last sentence because people skim the job looking for that. So I put it right in the middle paragraph. If they don't do it, disqualified. And it just means I need more applicants then. No big deal. The next thing Mm -hmm. I do 
is depending on what the job is, I'll ask them to do something around it. So for instance, um, my, my friend Jason, who's a sales consultant, when he hires salespeople, he will tell them that he's not sure it's a good fit. And he's mm-hmm. testing their their ability to overcome objections. Yeah, that's genius. Right? Yeah, I like and it. And so will they fight for the job like they would for the sale? Or are they just going to go, oh, okay, that's unfortunate. All right, I'll keep looking. Well, then that's the same response they're going to take when they get a sales thing. So little yeah. things like that. Um, so when I did that original project, um, when I first posted it, it was just give me five questions instead of 50, right? Um, and so... So I think that's the thing I've learned is that if we can test in the job interview process, um, that's great. When I had that company that was 11 months old that I sold, when we hired VAs to help us with the research work, we put them through a training program. And what we actually said Mm -hmm. was, we will pay you for the training program when you complete the training program. And at that point, we'll pay you and then we'll decide if we want to hire you. And if we hire you, we're putting you on a one-week temporary hire. And at the end of the week, we'll reevaluate. Do you know how many people, Rachel, started that online training module program and then didn't complete it? And it wasn't hard. Mm-hmm. It was like literally like yeah. an hour's worth of training. Watching just some Loom videos and then answering a couple quiz questions. Yeah, super easy. And yeah. probably like 80% never completed it. I believe that from what I know of hiring and HR, but that's an absurd number to me. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so they're self-selecting out. So those are things I've learned. I mean, and granted, those are bigger projects, right? But, you know, I outsourced most of the work associated to my book. I mean, yeah, I wrote the book, but the cover had to be outsourced. The layout had to be outsourced. The editing was outsourced. The index and the back of the book was outsourced. Um, The printing, Mm -hmm. I don't print books. That had to be outsourced. So all these vendors had to come together to make this book a real thing. And you just have to trust again, but verify. You have to just make sure they're doing the work. Yeah, I love all of those things. I think that is so helpful and insightful. And you said some wonderful things that I necessarily wouldn't have thought to say in that way. And so thank you so much for sharing that. I think that'll be uh, wonderful to, to implement in my life and think about. And so hopefully other people can do that as well. I would love some more insight from your book. So why don't you tell us the specific book information just so that anybody who's listening can find your books uh, to be able to follow up on those. Cause I know I will definitely be reading. I've looked into one of them, but I'll be reading the other for sure. <laughs> So why don't you just make sure we get that information out there? Absolutely. So um, I've got a book bundle available on my website. It's both paperback books. It's the more okay. word of mouth referrals, lifelong customers, and raving fans, which is 45 different ways to stay in touch with other people. And the high five effect, how to do business with people who bring you joy. That's at breakthrough-champion.com slash book bundle. And we'll put the link in the show notes. But um, Absolutely. I was going to say, I can put all of this in the yeah. show notes, but I just wanted to make sure for those who are listening and don't, Check the show notes that we've got that in their ear and they can act on that. And then where can people find you online as well? I'm pretty much Matt Ward Speaks on every social channel. So it's Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, uh, and my website, mattwardspeaks.com. You can find me there. Obviously, there's book links there. There's lots of blogs there. Um, And uh, we've got a Facebook group you can check out, uh, which is get more word of mouth referrals. Lots of free resources out there. I'm super excited at where I am in life and that I've landed on this spot and I feel really, really comfortable in what I'm doing. And I, 
I just, I'm starting to see that happen with the people who consume my content. They send me messages about how things are changing for them and, and they feel it more internal, right? It's hard to grasp this, Rachel, to put dollars associated with a joy, right? Um, right. And, and people don't track referrals either. Right, they don't they don't do a good job of that, so it's hard for them to put dollars on how many more new referrals they're getting from the strategies that are in the books. Um, but the reality is, is they know in their heart it works because they feel it, and that's something that I never thought I would land on in my life. And I'm actually doing. Remember, go back to grade school. That thing they told you, your guidance counselor told you, you should do what you would love to do, even if you weren't paid to do it. That's me right now. I'm, I am living the best life I ever could. And I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs started their business for. Like they want to do this because they're happy to do it. And we start out doing it, not getting paid sometimes <laughs> because <laughs> we're building a business. And, you know, that is how we start blood, sweat and tears to just get it going. And how you got to where loving every aspect of your life, being comfortable in those things is definitely, I can tell just from talking to you is from the support team you have from getting systems and processes and automation, as well as the right people doing the right things. And I love that. So thank you so much for talking with us about those things and sharing with your, your groups. I'm sure people will be interested in finding you online. So all of that information will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm sure we will talk again soon. That I, I appreciate you having me. And Rachel, as I always like to say at the end of every YouTube video, don't forget to live happy, smile a lot, and high five everyone around you. Matt brought out several interesting points today during our conversation. And one of the big things is building strategic partnerships. Referrals are a big part of growing any business. I think any business owner would say that. But how do you get them? Well, at check off your list, and I, Matt was saying the same thing, referrals come from partnerships that are that are relational in nature. And when you focus on building relationships, the referrals just come naturally. The other thing that Matt said, which I loved, is that you need to decide what you want, not just for your business. We all have plans for our business and where we want to go. But what does that mean for your life? And I think that's very key for outsourcing and balance. So all of the things are considered when you are focusing on what you need to do to make your life what you want it to look like. And that goes right into what Matt was saying about just because you're not good at something doesn't mean it shouldn't get done. We should all prioritize what we like to do and what we're good at and what gets us out of bed in the morning. But that doesn't mean the other things don't need done. So focus on the things that you're good at and outsource the other things. I completely agree with Matt. I'm sure you've heard me say it before. So feel free to evaluate what you're doing and where you need to outsource. If check off your list can be a resource for you in that way, we would love to hear from you. Go ahead and go to checkoffyourlist.com to see how check off your list might be a good partnership for you and your business. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe so you can catch every single episode. This podcast is brought to you by Check Off Your List.